official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. We've spent the last uh, few Sundays discussing what Advent is. And for those of you who are new to church, Advent is a time on the church calendar that invites us to slow down to anticipate Christ's coming. And so a couple weeks ago, we looked at how love is slow. Because the three words that we hear oftentimes at Christmas, we see them all over the place, are peace, joy, and love. And so I thought, well, if Advent invites us to slow down to anticipate Christ's coming, what does that mean um, with, with our practice. And so we, a couple of weeks ago, we explored how love is slow and, and how hurry crowds out God's love. And then last week, we took a look at how peace is slow and how hurry makes us less aware of God's presence. And today, what we're going to do is discuss how joy is slow and how hurry prevents us from appreciating God's goodness. And you might ask, how is joy slow? Uh, We can understand how love is slow, right? 1 Corinthians 13 tells us in a a 10-verse-long description of love, it starts off by saying love is patient. So we get how love is slow. You can't be in a hurry and love well. You just can't. And we understand how peace is slow because it's it's hard to find peace when, when you're living a life of chronic hurry right? When you're pathologically busy, you're less attentive to God, it's hard to find God's peace. But how is joy slow? Isn't joy spontaneous and sudden? Well, I think it's important to make a distinction between joy and happiness. Because happiness is an emotion that can come and go in an instant. Happiness can change with our circumstances. Let me give you an example of this. Um, This last Sunday afternoon, I was in my fantasy football playoffs. Now, some of you could care less about fantasy football. For me, fantasy football is like there's Jesus, my family, my my occupation. And fantasy football, I think, is like fourth or fifth, depending on what week it is. I, I I just enjoy it so much. And I'm in a league where we've been in with a group of guys, a group of my friends, for 19 years. Right? We trade future draft picks in the offseason. We, we're, we're way too much into this. And, and I had built a super team. <laughs> I was like blasting through the season. I was like, I can't wait for the playoffs to get here. Last Sunday, the playoffs were here. And I was facing my friend Matt, who's not here. And, and we, that's why I'm going to tell this story. So we were at his house, and I was facing him. And I had a huge point lead. And man, I was so cheerful. The holiday spirit of Christmas was just all around. Everything was brighter. Everything was happy. I had a huge point lead. And then all of a sudden, one of my players got injured and left the game. And then the the last game of the day, three of my players got benched because their team had such a huge lead, and I wasn't getting points. And I watched my lead just kind of diminish, diminish. That night, I'm at home, and I'm watching TV, and I'm standing in front of it like this. And my wife bless her heart. My wife comes in and, and she's like, 
you know, she notices I'm distraught, and I'm like, I think I'm going to lose. I think I'm going to lose. And my happiness just went from, like, here down to, like, nothing. <laughs> See, here's the difference between joy and happiness. Joy is different than happiness because it's not circumstantial. Happiness is circumstantial, but joy is rooted in something else. Joy comes to us when we start to trust that God is good no matter what. Joy comes when we recognize Emmanuel, God with us. Right? It comes when we set our minds and our hearts and we anticipate and we appreciate God's goodness. And so joy is more sturdy than happiness because circumstances can't steal it away. Now, I like being happy. Do you like being happy? I would be much more happy today if I was in the fantasy Super Bowl this afternoon. <laughs> I love being happy. But I want to be joyful more than I want to be happy. Right? Because joy is rooted in something that's unshakable. It's rooted in God's goodness. It's rooted in trusting in God's goodness. See, if, if you're new to church or if you're, if, if you're investigating Jesus or what it is to be a Christian, here, here's, let me put it in a nutshell for you. Being a Christian is just trusting in God's goodness. Because back in, in Genesis chapter 1, what we find is God created the world and he said it was good. And then he created mankind and he said it was very good. But what happened is we rejected God and his goodness and his shalom and went our own way because the serpent, the devil, lied to us saying, what God's goodness is, there's something better. And we bought it. And we distanced ourselves from God. And then Jesus came, which is what we're celebrating on Christmas, right? Jesus came to, to reconcile us with God, to, to redeem all of creation. And so he went to the cross and he took on the sins of the world. And so when we repent of our sin and we confess that Jesus is Lord, what we're doing is we're appreciating what God provided for us. We're appreciating his goodness, and we're anticipating his goodness to be fully realized. That's what being a Christian is, right? It's trusting in God's goodness. We're appreciating it now, and we're also anticipating it being fully realized. And that's where joy comes from. That's the difference between joy and happiness. So let's look at some scripture to see how joy is slow. When we look at the nativity in Luke's gospel, what we find is as a host of angels appear to a group of shepherds. We sang about it in one of the carols that we sang this morning. They appear to a group of shepherds, and the shepherds were scared, as you can imagine. If some angels just showed up right here and just started like singing and showing up and doing angely things. We would probably be a little bit uh, uh, taken back and frightened. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, it says this, but the angel said to them, to these shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now I want you to look at a phrase in this verse that's very important. It says good news that will cause great joy. Here's the thing I want you to consider. 
The shepherds' circumstances when they saw Jesus in the manger did not change. They were still poor shepherds who had to work the night shift. <laughs> they, the, the nation, their nation was still in servitude to Rome. There wasn't a geopolitical, uh, you know, salvific moment when they saw the baby Jesus in the manger. They were still in the dark about how God would risk rescue them through Jesus. Yes, the Messiah had come, but he's still a baby. Which tells us two things about God's joy. One, it doesn't rely on our circumstances. It's rooted in something else. It's rooted in Emmanuel, God now with us. The second thing this tells us about God's joy is it's slow. It's slow. God's joy is, is slow and it's incompatible with hurry. See, joy and hurry are incompatible because hurry prevents us from appreciating God's goodness. Hurry prevents us from even anticipating God's goodness. Because whenever we're in a rush, we don't have time to enter into God's goodness. A couple weeks ago, my son Joshua discovered our old camcorder. From time to time, he digs that out, and he just comes up and wants to find our camcorder. You know what a camcorder is? It was before we had phones to record videos. We had to buy this device, and it cost hundreds of dollars. It was an insane amount of money, and, and it, you had a little camera in your hand, and you had to record videos, and it records on tapes. You guys know what that is. So we have an old camcorder with all these tapes. We need to get all of those made like digital MP4 so that we, they, they last, but right now they're on tape. And we have that in our, our linen closet, and from time to time, my son Josh who's 14, he has special needs, one of his favorite things to do is to look at videos of when he was a little kid. He just thinks that's the most incredible thing in the world because he doesn't have memories of those things, but he, he, he loves to watch them. And so he, once every so often, he'll ask us to hook up the camcorder, and he's got this little pirate ship TV in his room. It's, it's a little pirate ship boat, and it's got a mast on it with a little screen. And it's like a pain to hook up the camcorder to it, but, uh, and I was, I was kind of rushing around just doing what I do because I live in a hurry. <laughs> I'm rushing around doing stuff, and he wants the camcorder hooked up, so we hooked it up in his room, and we got all the, the you know, the, the home movies fired up, and I'm rushing back and forth between the living room and, the, and my bedroom just doing hurry stuff. And my wife Michelle and my daughter Sophie and Joshua are, are sitting on his bed and they're watching home videos. And when Josh watches these home movies, his, his hands flap. That's when he's really excited and his head bobs and he's smiling and he's laughing hysterically because he's watching videos of when he was a little kid and he's eating mud. And his brothers, who are also little, are splashing and kicking mud on him. And, and, and Josh, when he watches these, he's in his room. He's like, Dad, Dad, come here, come here, come here. Dad, come here. It's so funny. And he wants me to come in. And so I, I stopped like the busy thing that I was doing and sat down on the bed. And for a moment, we just kind of watched those videos and just kind of laughed and just kind of enjoyed it. And here's the thing I, I want to point out about that story. When you're in a hurry... And in a rush, you don't have time to step into moments like that where you can appreciate God's goodness. 
Because as we're sitting there just kind of like watching these videos for, for me and my wife Michelle, you know, looking at our kids and being like, oh, God, you are good. Even though my son has disabilities and he's eating mud, like, you, you are good. And if, if we just rush past those, that's what hurry does, see? It causes us to rush past those moments where we can appreciate God's goodness. The more present we are, the easier it is to appreciate God's goodness. Let me ask you this question. Where do you think hurry comes from? Think about that for a moment. Because I would argue that, that hurry isn't really about being short on time. I would argue that hurry's more the result of not being satisfied. See, I believe that much of our hurry comes from our discontentment. This inextinguishable desire that we have as humans to see more, to do more, to accomplish more, to feel more, to experience more, to accumulate more, to get more. John Ortberg says this about hurry, that hurry isn't just a disorganized schedule. It's a disordered heart. That stings, doesn't it? Hurry is, is a dis-ease we feel in our soul. It's, it's where all of our achievements, our possessions, our experiences are not enough, and so we need more, and we need more, and so we go, and we go, and we look for them, and we hurry, and we rush, and we go from one thing to the next because we can't satiate this, this inextinguishable desire. There's a word for that. It's called discontent, right? And it's difficult to appreciate God's goodness and live a life of discontentment. Those two things are, are really difficult to join. And here's the problem we all face. We live in a world that thrives and feeds off discontentment. Let me give you a few examples of this. Um, advertising. Now, if you're in advertising or marketing, disclaimer, I am, not, I am not trying to offend you in your occupation and what you do, because advertising and marketing can be two different things. Uh, it can really tell people about a product that, that benefits them and helps their life, but it can also be a way to monetize discontentment, right? CBS News did a piece last year that uh, showed how in the 1970s, you and I, the average American adult, was exposed to 500 ads per day. Today, it's over 5,000 ads per day. Every blank space that we can find that's available is used to communicate that, that if we just buy this product, we will finally be content. If we just purchase this product, that all of the discontentment in our life will disappear. Joy is something that we can purchase, right? And so we spend money we don't have to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't know, and we go into debt, right? And, and while it might provide us with like a, a moment, a temporary piece of happiness, it doesn't produce joy because joy can't be purchased, Joy is slow. 
Here's another example of how our culture kind of feeds off this contentment. Just our usage of social media, right? Social media are those platforms that we project our best selves and our life's best moments on. The, the, the problem with that, of course, is that we see everyone's life best moments, right? We look at them and we see all of the adventures and the good food our friends are eating. We see all the amazing experiences they're having. Their vacation was so much better than mine. We see all of these best, best moments of everyone. And what happens is it, 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 it just feeds our discontentment. We start to believe that the idea that we're not living the life we're appointed to live. A word for that is disappointment. Right? I'm disappointed in my life because I compare it to everyone else's life, and, and I don't feel now, I thought I was living the life I was appointed to live, but surely look at these pictures, look at the way my friends on Facebook are living, and now I feel disappointed, like I'm missing the life I'm appointed to live. And so here's the truth of the matter. Our discontentment is inextinguishable apart from God. It's inextinguishable apart from him. We'll never be satisfied with more stuff. We'll never be satisfied with more experiences, more time, more esteem, which means this. Hurry is a liar. Because hurry has us chasing after the wind, being like, oh, if I could just get this, if I could just accomplish this, if I could just experience this, then I'll be content. And we never get there. Because our desire is infinite. We'll always want more. We'll never be satisfied. The only thing that will ever satisfy is an infinite God. Because our desire is infinite, it can never be quenched. The only thing that can satisfy and quench it is an infinite God. Dallas Willard said this, Desire is infinite partly because we were made by God, made for God, made to need God, and made to run on God. We can be satisfied only by the one who is infinite. I wonder how often our pursuit of happiness prevents us from pursuing God's joy. See, here's the thing. We all get to choose what we chase inextinguishable discontent or inextinguishable joy. So how do we slow down enough to experience God's joy? How do we slow down enough to appreciate his goodness? Well, God gave us a gift to help us with this. And the Hebrews called it Shabbat. Have you ever heard the word Shabbat before? Shabbat just means, means Sabbath. It has this dual meaning of stopping ceasing from work, and delighting in God or taking joy in God. In fact, uh, remember the Sabbath, observe the Sabbath, is one of the Ten Commandments God gave. Doesn't that blow your mind? I just find it so fascinating that, that God had to tell human beings, hey, I'm going to have to command that you rest. <laughs> that you take a break and just delight in me and take joy in me. I'm going to have to command it. See, God knew this, that you and I, in our fallen sinful state, 
you and I would chase after things to try to fill up that void, that inextinguishable desire that we have humming in the background of our hearts. He knew that we would be chasing after it all the time, and so he says, no, no, you have to stop for a day and take delight in me. So how do we do that? How do we do that, especially in, in our culture? Uh, John Mark Comer, in, in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, he gives us this advice for Sabbath. He says this, Find things that index your heart toward grateful recognition of God's reality and goodness. Put in the form of the question, of a question, what could you do for 24 hours that would fill you with delight and cause you to appreciate God's goodness. That's Sabbath. What could you do for 24 hours that would fill you with delight and cause you to appreciate God's goodness? You guys remember getting snow days as a kid? Snow days were the best because you could completely avoid school and, and you weren't in trouble. You, 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 there was no one to blame. This, this person just magically hit a button and all the schools were canceled. It, it was a superintendent. We, we never saw the superintendent. We don't know who he or she is. But she hits a button and everything closes down and you're like, yes, I have an excuse to, to, to avoid school completely. They're the best. When you grow up, you don't get snow days. But here's the thing. God gives us permission to take 52 snow days every year. In fact, he doesn't just give us permission, he commands it. He, he calls those snow days blessed and holy. See, we, we think that those 52 days of, of Sabbath, of rest, they're optional. Like, we can engage them or not engage them. And, and while it'd really, it'd really be responsible if I just take two of those, you know, and work and be productive on the, the other 50. No. One of the ways we slow down to appreciate God's goodness, is we resist this, this pursuit of inextinguishable desire and we say, no, I am going to delight and take joy in who God is. So what could I do for 24 hours that would fill me with delight and cause me to, to celebrate God's goodness? Here's the crazy thing about Shabbat, about Sabbath. Once you start practicing it, you start to live the other six days different too. I started really kind of trying to protect Sabbath um, about a year and a half ago in, in my life, which sounds terrible for a pastor and church planner to say. But culture just has a way of like sucking up that void, that space. And, and what I noticed is that when I started practicing it, I started looking forward to the next one immediately. <laughs> like it would end and I'd be like, When's the next one? Right? And pretty soon, it, it starts to shape your heart and your life enough to be like, I, I, I just want this all the time. Just to delight and take joy in who God is. And just not, not um, uh, have to bow down at the idol of productivity every single day. Let me, let me give you three things three ideas. For the last three weeks, I've been giving out three ideas, uh, ways in which we can slow down a little bit to anticipate Christ's coming, to resist hurry sickness. Um, and I want to give you three 
ideas to help slow you down to appreciate God's goodness, to experience his joy. Um, they might, again, they, they might work for you. They might not work for you. My prayer is that when you try these ideas, when you try practicing these ideas, that maybe you'll find some of your own that, that work for you maybe better. Maybe you discover some new ones. But here's three I want to give you. The first one is this. Plan a Sabbath day next week. And, and when I say plan, I don't mean create a to-do list. <laughs> okay, uh, Sabbath is more about subtraction than addition. It's, it's not like, when I say plan a Sabbath, it's not to, to create a full list of things. What I mean by plan is to make it special. Make it special. You know how when you approach a holiday like Christmas coming up, you, you plan for it. Like, oh, here's what we're going to do. We were, we were planning for ours this week. We, Michelle usually makes this huge, like, batch of cinnamon rolls. And then we were realizing from our Thanksgiving food, the whole family, is that we're kind of like, oh, we might not need cinnamon rolls. Uh, let's come up with a different plan for what we're going to eat that morning. And you, you plan, you make preparations for it so that when it comes, you can just, just relax and experience it, right? So when I say plan for a Sabbath, I don't mean, like, make a huge to-do list, but, but prepare for it. Get ready for it. What could you do for 24 hours that would fill you with delight and cause you to appreciate God's goodness? Maybe how you plan for your Sabbath is you say, you know, I'm going I'm to put my snowshoes on and just take a walk in the snow. Just appreciate God's goodness. Just look at beautiful nature and just like, thank him for, for the beauty that I see. Maybe it's that you're going to read a book or you're going to light a fire or eat something sweet, or maybe you're going to play a board game. And, and while you're packing up the board game, just say, oh, God, you're so good. I just got to play a game with some friends or my family members. You're, you're, you're good. Appreciate God's goodness. Plan for it. Don't let anything, any work or task get in the way and rob that space. 24 hours. Maybe you'll say, oh, I'll sleep eight of those, and then I'm going to take a two-hour nap. <laughs> Appreciate God's goodness. I tell people this all the time. One of the most spiritual things you can do is take a nap. Because when you're sleeping, you're not being productive. You're trusting that God is going to provide and take care of everything. That's why I tell people, if you fall asleep during my sermon, man, that's awesome. If you can't rest in church, where else can you rest in this busy world? Like, if that's what you need, man, it's a spiritual thing. You're being more spiritual than the rest of us who are awake, like listening and... and so that's one, plan a Sabbath day next week. Plan a Sabbath day next week. And you have Christmas vacation, so, right? At least one day off, maybe two days off. So this is an easy week to try this. Here's a second idea I want to give you. Declutter a room or a closet in your house. <laughs> Start a Goodwill box, a donation box. See, we collect and accumulate way more stuff than we realize. And sometimes just the discipline and the practice of I'm going to get a box and I'm going to grab some things that I own, that I possess, that I have. I'm going to put them in the box and I'm going to give them away. And oftentimes what that does for us is it creates an opportunity for us to remind ourselves that our joy doesn't come from our possessions, which is so against the culture that we live in. 
right? The culture this time of year is just accumulate, get stuff, give stuff, get, just accumulate stuff because they, they bring, it brings joy. But no, it might bring happiness, but it doesn't bring joy because happiness and joy are two different things. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy is something deeper. It's when we look, we align our hearts and our minds toward God and his goodness. So start a box. Declutter. Third thing, now this one I haven't done since college, but I'm going to do it this week with you if, if you're uh, up for it. Before you crawl into bed each night this week, write down the best part of your day. And not, not on your phone, on paper, with a, a writing device. You've probably forgotten how to write things on paper, but just try to relearn that. And, and write something down, and here's what I want you to do. Put it on your nightstand until the next night. Because there's something about coming back to it and seeing it on paper and, and, and being like, oh, yeah, what was the best part of my day today? And just write that down before you go to bed. Even if you had a terrible day, write one good thing. And it, it doesn't have to be big. Maybe it was when your, your spouse just smiled at you. Maybe you laughed at a joke at work. Maybe you had five minutes that day to just look outside the window and watch the snowfall. Maybe you ate something delicious or you took a nap or, or maybe someone was kind to you. Maybe somebody forgave you for something. Just write that down. The best part of your day. Because what that's going to do is it's going to remind you that there are moments that I can appreciate God's goodness that I'm missing because I'm not being attentive enough. I'm hurrying past them. See, Psalm 23, 6 says this, Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. If that's true, then you can find one thing. No matter what you're going through, because remember, joy isn't circumstantial. No matter what you're going through, you could be sick with the flu. You could have just had a, a, a big fight with your spouse. You, you, know, you're, you, you could have bills piling up that you don't know how to pay. It doesn't matter. Find one thing that you can celebrate God's goodness and just write it down. And I'll say, I'll say this. Maybe there's some people here, and it's really, really hard for you to appreciate God's goodness in the phase of life that you're in just because there's just a lot of things that are happening in your life right now that aren't good. But here's the beautiful thing about joy. It's not just rooted in appreciating God's goodness. It's also rooted in anticipating his goodness. See, joy looks ahead. When those shepherds saw Jesus laying in a manger, they weren't like, wow, everything changes. We're going to go home, and, and you know, Rome's not going to be in... We're not going to be occupied by them anymore. Um, we're going to be better off with our finances. We're going to be free from oppression. Like, everything's going to be set. No, they, looked, they saw a baby, and, and, and that's why the angels told them, joy will come. Right? And so joy not only just appreciates God's goodness, it anticipates his goodness. So maybe you're dealing with an illness or a divorce or just a, a, a job situation or financial turmoil. Listen. Joy comes from more than just appreciating God's goodness, although you can do that in those times too. It comes from anticipating that God's goodness is going to be fully realized. That's why joy is unshakable. And so I just want to encourage you in that. And can, we, can, can I pray? Because here's, 
This is the last, we don't have Christmas Eve service. This is my last chance to talk to you guys. There are some other churches in town that are doing some Christmas Eve services that my family's probably going to attend one. We decided against the Christmas Eve service because um, it's just a lot of work for us pastors. And we're supposed to slow down for this Advent season. <laughs> but I, I want to share this. The world we live in is not slowing down anytime soon. If anything, it's just going to get faster. And until we learn to kind of resist hurry sickness, we're, we're going we're gonna to be unable to appreciate God's goodness. We're going to be unable to find his peace because we're not being attentive to his presence. We don't have time. We're going to be unable to love him well and to love others well because hurry just crowds out love. And so God calls us into something different. And here's the thing. I find it takes two things. One, it takes a lot of practice to slow down. Right? We have to practice. It's hard. That's why I've been giving you three things to try. And they're hard. I've had, I've had people text me like, hey, Adam, I know you said drive the speed limit last week, but I'm traveling today. Can I drive fast today? <laughs> I, have to get, I have to get somewhere. And, and I just told him, yeah, there's grace. God, God, God offers grace. But it's hard. It takes lots of practice. But here's the thing that it really takes, God's help. We, we just can't do it without God's help. And so I want to pray for us before um, we close today, before Christmas, which is just a few days away. You guys noticed that between Thanksgiving and Christmas this week, we lost a weekend. Usually we have an extra weekend on the calendar between Thanksgiving and Christmas. This, this year we didn't. And so it even felt more rushed. I want to pray for, that God helps us. Because without his help, we, we just can't do this. So will you pray with me? Let's, let's pray. Lord, I'm mindful of the scripture right now in Hebrews chapter 12 that says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. A cross was not an enjoyable experience or circumstance, but it was the joy set before him of redeeming the world, of reconciling us back to God, that he endured the cross. Lord, I pray for my friends right now who maybe they're in one of those moments where it's just really hard for them to find joy. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would help us root our joy to the only thing that we can anchor it to, and that's appreciating and anticipating your goodness, no matter what. So Lord, we take time to do that right now, even together here in this space. And we ask for your help. Because we can't slow down from this, the hurried culture and, and life that, that, that we live in without the help of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for Shabbat, for Sabbath, for this space where we can come on a Sunday and stop and cease from work. We can delight in you. God, thank you for the safeguard for joy called Sabbath. Would you help us this next week to plan one and to slow down and to find the joy that only comes when we set our hearts and our minds on you and your goodness? So Lord, bless us as we go. 
As we sing this last song together, Lord, we pray that you would fill us up with everything that we need in order to, to, to practice the slowing down. So that we can love you well, we can love others well, we can experience your peace and be attentive to your presence, and that's so we can be aware of appreciating your goodness. We just can't do it without you. We're so dependent on you, God. And we know that, that you're excited to, to, to walk with us and help us. So thank you for that, God. We give you all the praise and the glory. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Why don't we stand together and we'll sing one last chorus. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community.